Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Bulls Beat Podcast Show, the Chicago Bulls Podcast. Welcome back to the Bulls Beat Bulls Fans. Doug Jonas here with you discussing our Chicago Bulls. And then day one of free agency, they land Lonzo Ball, Alex Caruso, and of course, we drafted Ayo Dosumu in the draft, which has been the news since my last podcast, which has been a ways back now. So I'm going to break down all of those moves. And before I get into the actual talent the Bulls acquired and the, the various ups and downs of these things, I want to say one thing. I think the Bulls have done a very masterful job of managing their assets, and I think that's actually the most important place to start. One of the big things that was going on was were the Bulls going to operate over or under the cap? And if you've listened to my show or listened to me on the Big Red Bus with C. Red Fred, uh, you'll know that I've been an advocate of operating over the cap the entire time because we just lose so many assets if we operate under the cap. And that's why I thought there was basically a 0% chance we were going to waive uh, Tomas Sadoransky or Thaddeus Young. And as it turns out, we did not waive either of those players. We kept them both, operated over the cap. Worked out a sign-and-trade for Lonzo Ball, four years, $85 million, gave up Sato, Temple, and a second-round pick. And from the Chicago perspective, I think that's you know really excellent. You didn't really give up anything super meaningful for Lonzo Ball uh, to bring him in, but what you did do is you left yourself room to use the middle-level exception. You left yourself room uh, to keep Thaddeus Young on the roster. You left yourself room to re-sign Daniel Tice, whom we did not, in fact, end up re-signing. Well, we moved him to Houston and what ends up being a three-way sign-in trade, uh, which lands us Alex Caruso. Uh, but that still allowed us, that ability to do that allowed us to get Caruso without using any of our mid-level exceptions. So we still have the mid-level exception now, as well as the ability to still sign and trade Lowry Markkinen. Now, because we took someone in a sign and trade, we are hard capped, but we're nowhere near that hard cap. So that is not a threat towards anything else we can do. And we'll get to see what the options are for Lowry now. We might even just match a contract offer him on him at this point. Uh, so I think that'll be interesting. Lowry, to me, looks like a guy who might end up holding the bag. We'll see what happens. I expect him to fall on this day, and maybe I'll even re-record this whole thing. You'll never hear it because uh, this this news will come, or I'll just add it on as an addendum at the end. Uh, but we'll see what, what goes down there. So I think that is a pretty exciting start to free agency uh, for, for the Bulls. I, th- I think the team is better you know, than they were last year with these moves. I don't think we've catapulted ourselves anywhere. You know, I was listening to cash considerations with Ricky O'Donnell and Jay Patton. Uh, Ricky O'Donnell was talking how a player of Lonzo's caliber just doesn't leave his team and, you know, kind of viewed him, was talking about him almost as like a star player. And I, I don't think quite, I don't think Lonzo was quite in that, that tier. Uh, clearly a basketball genius. I think that was uh, Ricky's uh, definition in terms of passing the ball, but his lack of ability to put pressure on the rim and score on his own, you know, kind of uh, brings him down a notch. But when we do talk about Lonzo's fit, now I guess I'll go through it one more time, even though you've probably heard it ad nauseum at this point. He is a good shooter, at least as of last year. I still have my questions about that, and good is somewhat relative. He's a good set shooter. He's not a guy who's going to take step back off the dribble threes as much. I guess he takes some step back threes, but uh, he's a decent shooter, 38% on high volume. And the high volume part is maybe the important part of that. So he can get up a lot more shots. If Tomas Sadoransky could have got up eight threes and, and kept a similar percentage, 
I think Tomas Sodransky would have been a, a really outstanding player to keep, but he couldn't. And so Alonzo Ball will be able to do that. Uh, he's going to be a guy who's going to be an amazing, amazing link passer in the offense. So while Zach and Butch are moving the ball around and they kick it out to Alonzo, he's going to be able to make that open three or he's going to be able to find someone else on a cut. And I think that's really going to help out a guy like Patrick Williams a lot who can potentially move to the basket and make things happen. Now, Pat's going to have to be a lot more aggressive with his basket cuts, but I think there's going to be people who can find him now where Kobe White wasn't necessarily going to do that you know, too efficiently last year. So I think that is a big plus. Transition game will be amazing with Lonzo. Uh, he is great at outlet passes. He's going to get a lot of early looks for Zach Levine, I think, if Zach Levine sprints down the court. I think our early offense is going to improve a lot. And then defensively, he's very solid fundamentally. And I think he can guard multiple positions. I think you're going to see Pat Williams potentially move to the four. You know, as the roster stands today, I could easily see the Bulls starting uh, Caruso, Levine, Lonzo, uh, Pat, and Vucevic as their starting lineup. Like that wouldn't shock me at all. Now, we'll see what happens with the roster as it, as it extends. Um, we see what other pieces we add. We, we still obviously have some holes, but... You know, I think you could get away with Lonzo maybe guarding threes and, and might even actually be pretty good at that spot. And uh, Zach and Caruso you know, guarding the guards, I think that would, uh, would be okay. And then Pat Williams, we obviously need to see some development here, but if he develops into the defensive player we hope he can develop into, uh, is a pretty good fit at power forward and the type of guy who could help uh, manage some of Vucevic's weaknesses. So I don't know that that's where we'll start. We'll, we'll see how it goes. But as the roster stands today, that doesn't seem to be so crazy to me. Uh, Troy Brown Jr., depending on his development, also could be the other guy who could uh, start in place. And then maybe you go with a bigger lineup with, with Brown, Lonzo, and uh, Levine, and you bring Crusoe off the bench, which is maybe the more natural thing to do. And also will depend on uh, where we get uh, in the rest of free agency. I do think the Bulls probably, in some ways, having uh, – Need to find a, a bench score, at least until Kobe White gets healthy, and we'll see how much time Kobe White misses. Uh, but I think that's an exciting start to the season. And whether we bring back Lowry or whether we can bring in another asset for Lowry, there were initial rumors which seemed to have cooled down about Lowry being signed and traded to the San Antonio Spurs to bring back DeMar DeRozan. I think at this point that is highly unlikely to happen uh, because, uh, was it the Spurs signed, I think it was Doug McDermott maybe? Nah, not, I don't know. They signed some three-point shooter, and my mind blanks on who it was, but uh, their, their need to uh, add shooting uh, maybe uh, is a little less. Yeah, it was Doug, Doug McDermott. Quick check there while, while recording. So uh, maybe they're not going to be looking for, for that same thing anymore. But it, it will be interesting to see what the Bulls can do with Lowry. Like I said, I expect him to either come back or move in a sign-and-trade. I don't know that there's any team left out there that's going to offer him a monster offer and so I think that now puts the Bulls in position to maybe get Lowry cheap or to get something back for him for a team, you know, that only has the mid-level exception left. And, and that's a, a good position for Chicago to be in. There were talks about him going to Minnesota uh, for a future pick. I think that would be an outstanding move for the Chicago Bulls if it were to happen. And so we'll see what else the Bulls can do with their mid-level exception and Lowry as assets left to have. The other nice thing about this is they didn't have to wave and stretch uh, Aminu. And so, you know, whatever, if you think Amino has a chance to recover, he can still be on the roster. He was a solid player not so long ago uh, that maybe there's still some hope that he could actually be a, a useful player. And if not, uh, he can be included in a trade, especially in a sign and trade where you have base year problems, including Amino can ramp up the salary enough to help you overcome those problems, which is going to make a Lowry sign and trade uh, easier to manage in that case. So we'll see how those, those things all break down. But I have to say, overall, it was a great 
uh, job of general managing by the Chicago Bulls. So going on to the uh, players, I discussed Lonzo and the strengths that he can bring. I can't say like I'm Alex Caruso's biographer by any stretch. He has a reputation of being a great defender. Uh, he's a good shooter, but he's a very low volume shooter. He doesn't score many points. He does seem to uh, have the ability to finish at the rim, sort of. He's got like a very good percentile in terms of finishing, but he obviously doesn't get there much, which means to me he's probably only taking really wide open shots on broken defensive plays and shouldn't uh, we shouldn't look at that too highly. I have to say I'm a little so-so about the Caruso signing. My guess is that he's going to be like a rich man's Ryan Archie Diacono. Uh, I know other people have said maybe a poor man's Kirk Heimrich. Uh, and I guess maybe either of those things are both kind of true. Uh, the thing that makes me a little bit nervous is he, he really gets up into guys defensively and has a reputation of being a great defender. Uh, but I kind of wonder if that reputation is because of his own skill or because he can play so aggressively, you know, due to the backup he has behind him, you know, with Antonio Davis and Antonio Davis, <laughs> Anthony Davis, wrong Davis. Wow. Way back into the uh, 2004 era there. Um, with Anthony Davis behind him and with LeBron James behind him, you got some pretty long athletic defenders back there to cover up for mistakes. It allows him to play probably more aggressively than he might be able to do uh, for the Chicago Bulls. So we'll see how that pans out. I'm, I'm a little suspect that his defense will be as good as it has rated in the advanced stats um, and that he's that good of a player. A lot of those advanced stats to me that are all like plus minus based, uh, you see those change a lot when the situation changes. And again, maybe that's just uh, just bias on my part because he's you know some white guy and white guys are usually a little bit shorter in arms and less athletic. And maybe Caruso is actually just uh, amazingly good fundamentally. But I have uh, I have some concerns that part of his defensive ability may have been the scheme and the other guys you know around him in the cast allowing him to play in a way that he he's not going to be able to play successfully in Chicago. Uh, but we'll see. You know, he's a, he's a solid player. Is a three and D player. The thing that concerns me a little bit about this is like the Lakers could have kept him and they wouldn't have given up anything but cash and they're trying to win the title and the Lakers have so much cash, it's ridiculous, and that they didn't keep him uh, just makes me wonder that they also don't think he's so great. And so uh, Caruso is fine, but I, I just don't see the need to go four years on a player like that. I mean, I, I granted, you probably had to go four years to get him. Uh, but like it's like signing into a role player for four years is often a mistake, as we've seen with guys like uh, Cristiano Felicio, who has yet to have breaking news on uh, his own uh, on his own free agency. I'm sure he'll be out there for uh, for a deal soon. Uh, the Bulls still can use bird rights to sign him to a max extension if required. Just kidding. Uh, we'll see how how things go uh, with uh, the rest of free agency. Uh, and then you know, looking at uh, Io uh, Dosumu. As, as our draft pick, probably a little bit old news. You may have already consumed a bunch of other podcasts talking about IO. I really like this pick, you know, going into it. I will say a few things. One, you should always assume second rounders are not going to be particularly great selections. I mean, they just aren't. Regardless of how good a guy looks in college or whatever else, you just have to assume second rounders are mostly going to not be great. If this guy had a floor of, you know, anything in the NBA, he wouldn't be a second rounder. He'd be a first rounder because guys who are have a floor of being in your rotation, you know, would be taken in the first round. You know, if you're picking 25, 26, and you know this guy can be a rotation guy for 100%, you would just grab him and you'd be happy about it. But Io does have a lot of things going for him. He, he kind of does a little bit of everything you could want. You know, he's a good passer. He was a pretty good shooter this year. The volume is a little bit low on his three-point shots for me to fully trust the percentage. Uh, you know, you look at a guy like Wendell Carter Jr. <laughs> Wendell Carter Jr., who shot a good percentage in college from three, but on low volume and could never ramp it up. 
so be a little bit wary of the guys who just don't shoot as much from three and, and kind of projecting that percentage for, forward. But, I, I mean, I think he's, he's got talent there. He can, he can drive. He can pass. He can defend. Uh, he, he's versatile. He, he's kind of like a jack-of-all-trades type of guy. And, you know, really the question is just, is he going to be good enough? Is his size-athletic combination good enough for the NBA? Is he able to, you know, really prove out that that shooting is for real and he can shoot from NBA three-point range consistently and, and get up on more shots? Uh, but, you know, if, if he can, you know, he certainly feels like, like a good guy. He can make plays in all kinds of different ways, at least at the college level. You know, the, the thing is, like, that's true of almost all these prospects who are coming out, though. So, you know, I just, just I'm, I'm excited about the pick. I like the pick. He was one of three guys I would have considered taking. Uh, Shere- uh, Butler and Cooper were the other two guys. Uh, and, you know, I'm fine. And it's really like I didn't study up on second-round picks, so my opinion on it isn't a whole lot. Those were the three guys I was, like, vaguely aware of. Uh, that were available when we were picking. And if we took some guy I never heard of, I would have also been fine with it. You just never know how these guys are going to pan out. You trust the people who have been doing the really heavy scouting and trying to figure it out rather than uh, trusting my own eyes. But it's kind of nice to have a hometown kid, you know, someone who went to U of I and came from Chicago. I think that's a, a nice story. Sometimes those stories end up kind of badly if things go bad, and sometimes they end up really, really great when things go well. So, you know, hopefully uh, things will go well. Uh, it's probably would have been my number one choice on the board though while while the bulls were picking second round so overall i think it was really good and so if you start looking about where do the bulls go from here you know one thing is getting past this draft and where we lost that pick to orlando is uh, useful because now from a future trade asset perspective you know the next pick we can trade is a 2025 uh, first rounder most likely but we also have our 2024 first rounder and we can sorry 2022 first rounder well we have our 2024, but we can't trade that one. We can trade our 2022 first rounder uh, at draft time. So we can't trade it uh, you know, at the trade deadline to, to bring in a player. But during the draft, we can trade it and execute the trade after the draft is over. So effectively, even though you can't trade um, two future first round picks out in a row, what the Bulls could do in this situation is they can make the selection on behalf of another team and then they can trade that selection after the new year calendar rolls over in a, in a deal. And then they will have not lost two future picks in a row because after the draft happens, that pick is no longer a future pick and we're just trading the player. It puts a little bit of limitations on, but it does mean effectively that at least at draft time next year, we could make a trade, including that 2022 pick. Uh, and then, so now we're not really like locked out for like three years. Like we're, we didn't have a 2021, 2022 or 2023 or 2024 pick on the board that we can trade. Now we have a lot more flexibility in the terms of the types of trades we can make. Uh, so it does uh, open that up. Uh, we won't have cap space for uh, the foreseeable future again. So any, any idea of bringing in a free agent via cap space uh, is, is probably not an option. We will have to do sign in trades. It does to me make me feel like there's actually some thought about bringing Lowry back as, as a player who could you move in a sign and trade. Uh, it does mean I might, you know, obviously I think we'll keep Aminu on the roster now. There's no reason to waive him and stretch his money out because he can be a trade chip in terms of matching salaries, either in the rest of the free agency in a sign and trade with Lowry or at the deadline if we need to, to match salaries. So I think you keep him on the roster. Uh, you do 
have some options there, but the Bulls will need to figure out ways to kind of like roll some of these guys into to future short-term contracts of enough money to match salaries and things like that. And that's why having Lowry on the roster, even at 10, 12, 15 million could be of a benefit to the Bulls. As long as he's not on a bad contract, he's a guy you can throw in for a deal to match salary uh, that has some value to the other team. And, you know, if you're trying to bring in a star, he'd still be young enough that a team could be at least a little bit excited about him. Potentially still has some breakout uh, potential for you possibly. Uh, and obviously, I mean, it, I think we all know Lowry isn't a great piece at this point, but he's a solid player. Like, you know, people who thought he was going to be a star are probably going to be disappointed, but I think he's a, he's a low end starting caliber player, you know, a, a rotation bench player, you know? And so if you lose him or keep him, uh, you'd, you'd rather keep him if you can't replace him with anything, you know, if he's just going to walk, you know, it's better to have him as an asset. As long as you're not in dire straits financially, uh, the bulls will have to find a way of course, to uh, keep up enough uh, salary space to match or Zach Levine, or I shouldn't say match, but to, to max Zach Levine next offseason uh, without getting into luxury tax troubles if they care about that, which uh, historically they certainly have. So overall, I think a, a really nice start to the offseason when you look at like practical things the Bulls could do. They got their number one target. Uh, they got one of the better free agent targets uh, that were available and still you know, relatively younger. We'll get Lonzo Ball for probably the best years of his career. And we were able to, to sign Caruso, who seems like a, you know, I guess that maybe a solid fit, maybe a little bit long on years. That's the way free agency works, especially, like I said, the Lakers could have kept him just for cash and chose not to. So you probably had to overpay a little bit there. The ability to keep the MLE and keep the ability to sign and trade Lowry are both huge pluses. And we do have a few more options in terms of trading draft picks in the future, which is good and kind of get past this short-term period where we were really hosed on what we could offer in terms of future assets. Uh, in terms of my early, 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 super early predictions, I'd, I'd say the Bulls look like a first-round exit team to me. We'll see how they all fit together. I, I like Zach Vooch and Levine together. Zach Vooch and Levine. God, I, this is too early for me. Zach Vooch and Lonzo together. And in terms of Zach and Vooch are going to really chew up like most of your possessions. And uh, Lonzo being a link guy is actually, I think, a critical piece for this team. You actually don't need him to, to put pressure on the rim so much with Zach and Vooch doing that, but you do need him to make open shots and to make great passes when uh, he gets the ball kicked out to him. And that's like right up his strength. You need him to cover up defensively for you. And I think that's up his strength. And you need him to help in transition. I think that's up his strength. So while I'm only so-so on Lonzo as a player, I think the fit probably could not be any better. I mean, of course, you would love a guy who is you know, elite at attacking and putting pressure on the rim, but you weren't going to get that guy. He would have been a, a surefire max player. So when you look at a guy who has you know, a variety of strengths and weaknesses and it's around $20 million, Lonzo's strengths and weaknesses fit nearly identically into what the Bulls needed. And I, th I think that's just a, a positive uh, for the team when you look at like what is the best thing you could do. It's hard for me to envision a scenario where the Bulls were going to come back with a much better team than what they have done so far this offseason. Uh, I don't know that they have been able to improve the team. One of my complaints about the direction so far is that there just isn't enough upside here. Uh, but I think this is about as good a start if you are someone who didn't want to go through a rebuild. I think this is about as good a start as you could you know, reasonably expect for. And, and so I think in the direction that they chose, I think they've done a good job at moving in that direction. And of course, we'll have to see that prove out on the court because uh, we've said that before in the offseason. You know, when we got Lonzo and Sato, we thought those were going to be great signings. And you know, for whatever reason, you know, things just didn't quite all click. Uh, 
So we've said that before in the offseason, but it does feel like this was probably about as good a step in the right direction. And again, handled masterfully from a cap perspective. Uh, very good job uh, with the front office to negotiate cheap signing trades. You know, if you look at Lonzo coming to the Bulls for a second round pick in Sato and then the Pelicans paying a first round pick to get Devontae Graham, like that's pretty insane, you know, and, and then to keep the MLE, great move there. So uh, I really like what uh, the Bulls have done. You look at what some of these other teams did, like the Knicks, you know, just used up all their cap space, bringing in Fournier and then just re-signing, you know, Derek Rose and Nerlens Noel. You know, I, I, it's hard to be excited about their offseason, you know, from my perspective. Like, I, I think, you know, the Bulls did better than that. You look at the, the Spurs who had a ton of cap space and, and didn't really make anything happen out of it. Uh, so I think the, the Bulls really did a nice job of uh, getting, getting something useful and making uh, tangible improvements to their team. Uh, with the, the room and the tools that they had. That'll do it for this edition of the Bulls Beat pending an update, in which case I'm just going to tack it on and you'll get to hear my goodbye twice. And uh, we'll talk to you guys hopefully soon. Welcome back to the Bulls Beat addendum edition uh, with the Bulls making a move for DeMar DeRozan today in a sign and trade. We will give up Thaddeus Young a 2025 or later first round pick. I haven't seen the protection just yet. And a couple second rounders and uh, Al Farouk Aminu uh, will be there just to match the salary. So his, his roster spot is now open as well. And I have to say, amazing move for the Bulls. When you put this whole thing together, I have to say this offseason was home run, grand slam. And I, I'm not a pie in the sky guy. I don't think this team is going to become a championship contender based on the moves they've made. I don't even think they're probably an ECF contender based on the moves that are made. But this was a team that wasn't a play-in team last year. And they got a heck of a lot better. I think they moved five, six spots up the standings, maybe like 10, 12 spots up the overall NBA standings. And that's really as much as you can hope for. As, as a guy who just loves watching Bulls basketball and enjoys the sport, and I can enjoy it without necessarily having a champion. I can enjoy us winning just big games against teams individually and being competitive every night. You're going to see that now. You're going to see fun basketball. This is going to be an exciting team again. And I think you can't be any happier uh, than with that as an outcome, given the direction that the front office chose to go. You could tell with the Vucevic trade, they're going to go all in. They're going to try and turn this into a win now thing. I've been critical of that overall decision, thinking, you know, we're too far away to go all in. And based on where we are now, I, I still kind of feel like that might be true. We're going to have a lot of uh, salary space issues going forward. We're not going to have a lot of financial flexibility. We certainly aren't going to have a lot of draft picks coming in. So uh, it's, it's going to take a lot around the margins to, to move things forward any more than they are. But I think that's okay. You know, at least if you went all in and you're going to be competing to get to the second round, you know, you catch some breaks, you could get to the ECF. And if you catch enough breaks, you could even Phoenix your way into the finals. Like, I, you know, like I don't think they're like, you look at the Suns and I'm like, yeah, we could maybe Phoenix our way into a finals. And so I think that's okay. Kyle Lowry, 385, sorry, Kyle Lowry was 390 and everyone was praising that deal as the Heat winning the NBA. And then people are like, whoa, 385 for DeMar DeRozan. Yeah, I don't know. Kyle Lowry, 380, or 390 and when he's 35 and DeMar DeRozan at 385 at 32. I, I, I kind of think both those deals age poorly, but it's funny to me how much credit the uh, Miami Heat were getting. I think, I think the Bulls won for agency this offseason. I really do. I think they had the, the best offseason of any team in the league uh, so far. And they are going to make the biggest jump forward, you know, assuming they don't have any major problems with health or other things. So let's examine now that we kind of have a pretty good idea what all the pieces are. Uh, we'll see what happens. I kind of expect the, the Lowry Markkinen uh, shoe to drop at some point now because he's not going to be in this deal. And, and that was something that maybe was a holdup on what else he can do. So I think we'll see what happens with Lowry, you know, reasonably shortly. And I might add another addendum on to, 
the uh, podcast just to uh, figure out what's going there. Lowry could also be back on a one plus one deal if he becomes a trade asset at that point. Uh, I would not be upset if that happens at all either. So uh, looking at how these pieces fit together, one of the first concerns people will have with DeMar DeRozan is that he does not shoot threes. I think that's actually not really much of a problem in the uh, Bulls position because the starting lineup projects at least out to be early. Uh, Lonzo Ball at point guard and... Uh, we have uh, Zach Levine at shooting guard, DeMar DeRozan at small forward, and Pat Williams at power forward with uh, Nikola Vucevic at center. And the four guys around DeMar DeRozan are all competent three-point shooters. Uh, I like the way, fact that I feel Zach, Lonzo, and Vooch are all good passers. I think that's going to allow Patrick Williams to just kind of feast on easy shots as long as he's active and is coached well and worked on his game in the offseason. And I think that's going to... You know, allow DeMar DeRozan to, to really flourish as well. He's going to be able to, to hit all of his mid-range shots and drive. I think th- this team is going to be able to space uh, themselves out very well with that starting lineup. Uh, Kobe is going to start off the season injured. We'll see when he's actually able to get back, but he's going to be a good bench scorer for this team. Uh, Caruso you know, can come and fit in there well as, as well. I think you got a lot of options to put out there together with this group, and it, it's going to actually be a pretty good fit. You know, I discussed Lonzo's fit earlier. So I think this is uh, really, really a strong, strong uh, move and, and for the team and actually pretty good fit for everyone involved. So we'll see how everything shakes out for uh, the Bulls in the next year. But I have been critical of Arturis Karnaschovas in the past for the direction. I still don't know about, like I said, going in and all winning now is like the optimal direction. But as someone who's sick of rebuilding, like I'm sure all of you are, You know, this was really about the best I could have possibly imagined, better than possibly imagined, to be quite honest, uh, for what they've done this offseason. So, you know, kudos to them. It may not work out great. You know, there's risks here. We're fraught with lots of risks. And if things go badly, it's going to be hard to to change the ship in a different direction. But you you take what you can get right now. This was the best offseason I could imagine. And I would take the risks they took, given the direction they took of trying to win, you know, right away. You know, Vucevic put you on a tight timeline with his deal. And I think this was the best you were going to get. You couldn't do any better. So uh, really creative work, as I mentioned earlier in the show. Being able to stay above the cap was key to getting all of this done. And if the Bulls could even come back and get something for Lowry Markkinen or even just keep him on the team, I think that's going to be an outstanding, outstanding position for the team to be in. Uh, So that'll do it for this edition of the Bulls Beat Addendum. And we'll see if we add another addendum onto uh, the, the podcast again.